Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I'm always looking to help the Next Level Soul audience take their soul to the next level. And I've been able to partner with Mind Valley to present you guys with a ton of free master classes between 60 and 90 minutes covering mind, body, soul, relationships, and conscious entrepreneurship. Some of these master classes are taught by spiritual masters, relationship experts, best selling authors, legends in the personal growth and spirituality space, and so much more. So if you want to sign up for any of our free mind, body, and soul masterclasses, just head over to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Now, I am super excited to bring you today's guest. We have Danish author and mystic Lars Moll. Lars is the best-selling author of books like The Seer, The Magdalene, The Gate of Light, the O Manuscript, and The Law of Light. Lars is a modern-day mystic who has dedicated his life to the spiritual, to finding the truth about why we are here. And our conversation is transformative, to say the least. So let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show, Lars Mool. How are you doing, Lars? Fine, thank you, and thank thanks you so, for having me. Thank you so much for being on the show. I am, I am a fan of your work and what you've been trying to do for the world. So, I, first and foremost, I appreciate that, the work that you're trying to do to help lift the world up a little bit. So, thank you so much for that. Mm, my pleasure. Now, how did you begin your uh, uniquely spiritual journey? Oh, that started all the way back when I was ten years old. Uh, my little sister, six years old, died from a brain tumor, oh. and uh, that uh, turned my life totally upside down. And I started to have uh, experiences that, uh, uh, you know, out-of-body experiences and stuff, you know. And I also uh, started to develop this um, sensitivity that I could he- almost hear or feel uh, the the adult, what they were thinking and what they were doing, and you know, I, there was no co- coherence between what they were thinking, saying, and doing, and that really scared me. So, um, but it meant that um, I started to open, uh, be open to other realities. And uh, when I was uh, fourteen years old, I got, received a book by Anonymous Post. Um, and I, to this day, I don't know who sent it to me, but it was uh, a small book of aphorisms of a Sufi master called Asrat, uh, Hasrat in Ayat Khan. And it, it, it really uh, turned my life upside down. And from that moment on, I started my so-called spiritual path. You know, that was the beginning. So when you say that you, uh, you know, when with the passing of your sister, certain things opened up inside you, certain abilities or... Mm-hmm. Uh, can you explain a little bit about what those, like you said, out of, I mean, I understand what about out-of-body experiences and and sensitivities, but how did that affect you psychologically at such a young age? I, no, I, ma- I, I, I imagine it scared it. the shit out of me, really. <laughs> at, at one point, I um, I I um, was I saw in you know it was like the veil was just being lifted, and I saw the ethereal. A net of of light that was uh, everywhere, and that was really not even behind everything, but it's it it's kind of what do you call it was uh, in everything, you know. It it we were constructed by it, you know, this ethereal light net, and uh, but at that time, of course, I had no explanation for it. I could not even fathom it, and if I tried to to talk about it. You know, you can imagine how that would be, you know. So it wasn't before many years later before I was more 
into I, I started to read a lot you know in my teens and um, but it wasn't really before I met the seer my teacher Kelly de Montagur um, that um, that I, I found out that what it would really was and his explanation and it could be maybe interesting for the viewers here also mm -hmm. is he told me that it it is something that happens to all of us when we come into the age where sexuality or errors start to evolve within us you know then we will experience uh, a series of uh, what you would call um kundalini movements not not rising of the kundalini but movements you know that follows uh, the the awakening of errors and um, but for most people they don't remember it and it will only be a, a like a you know something that happens and then it's gone but if you have a trauma for example as i had losing my little sister it can be a, a permanent th a situation for a certain uh, amount of time you know so it, for me it lasted three years and it was really hell i really because you know i could not uh, cope with it I, I i had no interest in in looking inside other people or anything or and at that age i i wasn't experienced at all in in any form of psychology or so of course it was scary but he, he told me that it was something that all of us have experience and i know now uh, because when i started to have uh, make therapy with people i could also um, recognize it in other people who told me that since their childhood they had certain traumas and a similar thing happened to them so by that i could see that he was totally right you know that if you were for example i i met somebody who had been in a car accident that had also triggered this uh, situation for a few years at that age you know around 12 11 12 years old that's fascinating now you mentioned the seer can you tell me the story of how you met this year because you wrote a whole book about it but just to, mm -hmm. for the audience to know yeah i you know as i told you i was uh, as i was uh, studying all these things i also became a musician in order to find a place in life you know and became a, a songwriter and uh, um, i made a living from it you know and but at a certain point it was like i knew that i I had to get out of it and start taking my my spiritual path more seriously, meaning start to practice more and to do a lot of things. I have read it all, so I thought that I knew everything. <laughs> and um, the wiser I was when I met the seer. And, you know, I, I moved out to a small island here in Denmark, and one day I got sick, and that sick illness took me to bed for three years, you know, and it became worse and worse and worse and after three years by a good friend i was connected to the seer and i phoned him up and uh, within five minutes on the telephone he got me out of bed and it was like you know if you can imagine a world who have been which have been in black and white for three years suddenly it was in technicolor i could even hear the birds sing on the other side of the island and he asked me to come and see him a half year later and in that way, I ended up being his uh, apprentice in Montaigure, the holy mountain of Montaigure in the Pyrenees in France. And later on, he invited me back to his home in Andalusia, where he lived. And I stayed there. And I, I was working with him for almost nine years until his death in 2007. And, how, how, well, did he, how did he get you out of bed in five minutes? What was that process? Yeah, he he just uh, I really begged him, you know, and he he said, okay, um, let me look into it. And then he was off the telephone. It was like white noise coming, and he said, um, listen, um, see, look me up in half an year on this address, and until then everything should be all right. Have a good day. Back, and then he hung up, and I felt this knocking, you know, like a slight knocking in the back of the head. Mm -hmm. like somebody is knocking very tenderly you know and that was something i recognized uh, earlier also i experienced with him when we were far apart and he thought that i needed some help 
I also felt this uh, knocking in the head. So that was part of his distant healing. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And it wasn't before, of course, when I started working with him that I recognized what he was doing. He was actually sitting there projecting and reaching and he could he could reach any soul wherever they were you know people were phoning him all over, from all over the world every morning between uh, eight and nine and uh, he would diagnose them and he would heal them during the day in that way so it and in the beginning i thought there was a special formula you know if you you, you do this you do that but he always said it all comes down to us knowing who we really are, where we come from, and um, what we are doing here. And he said, the moment that we start to realize what the ethereal element that is all around us actually is the element that by which we connect to each other and that we connect to, for example, ETs or um, other light, bo- uh, light, uh, in, in, uh, uh, light bodies from from other planets or other uh, realms. Dimensions, yeah, dimensions. It is all to um, that consciousness that is uh, uh, connected through the ether, you know, the light net, and um, so that is when we incarnate on Earth or in the physical universe. That is the element by which we connect to each other. And right now, you are sending out this uh, uh, this uh, thing now on the uh, from on the internet. But mm-hmm. we should remember that the the um, the whole thing, your information, is sent through the ether. Mm-hmm. We actually also say now we are on the air. You know, mm-hmm. when I read you, and it seems to, that we have forgotten that. Uh, the human intellect who have invented, uh, you know, these, these machines who can send and receive, that we ourselves send and receive, you know, yeah. through the And so all spiritual work is actually the way to start to connect. But he said, he always said, there's one thing you must, that is really important to understand, that there is some basic rules and if you think that it will get any harder than keeping the basic rules, which is ethical, you know, then don't, I mean, don't even think about it, you know, because there isn't anything else. It all comes down to trust and to knowing that you need to f- find alignment of what you think, say, and do. Whereby now, even within the the, the spiritual uh, society, we hear a lot of uh, spiritual, so-called spiritual teachers and people who say one thing, and when they are on their own, they do another thing. You know, right. they are not keeping it. You know, they are not walking the talk, and that's that's actually the basic rules that he was talking about. I don't care about spiritual saints or anything. He said, I care about honesty. You know, be who you are, and that will that will be more than enough. You are already enlightened beings. Everybody is, but we seem to forget it, and we think, oh, it must be very complicated. I need to be able to do this or be able to do that. It all comes down to to those basic rules, you know, of ethics that. It isn't big uh, fl- uh, floppy words, you know, like love and forgiveness, and they are all all right, you know, but they are just words. And if they if they're not if they don't become real deeds, they are just emptiness, you know. It, and he he said, I'd rather prefer an, an honest thief or a pretentious thing, you know. And um, for example, in my documentary of him and also in my book about him, he's smoking and he's drinking. And there was were a lot of people, come, spiritual people, coming to me and saying, how can he be a holy man when he smokes and drinks? I said, listen, he have never, ever said anything about being a holy man. But despite that, he helped thousands of people, you know. 
So it all comes down to this honesty, you know. Why did he drink? Why did he smoke? He he used an occasional cigarette or a glass of red wine to get uh, grounded, you know, after a, a whole day's work. Every morning he raised from his bed and he said, I hereby dedicate myself to the universe. And he really meant that. In the evening before he went to bed, he sat down on the bed, went through all the things he did, had done that day in order to find out if he could sharpen the pen, as he said, or do things better, you know. And he would never shy away of, of apologizing if he, he, he thought that he had been too much, you know. But he could be very harsh, you know, with people if he thought that they, they were not uh, receiving him, you know. They did not listen, really, and take it in because he thought that you should not waste his time, you know. Because if people would, would, would phone him up and say, listen, I've got cancer and they've given me three months uh, to live, can you help me? Of course, he said. No problem. And he would. And that was it, you know. That's pretty, it's pretty, it's, it, I mean, he sounds like a remarkable person. I, I have to imagine that when you first met him, um, that whole transition of having a quote unquote guru, if you will, if you want to use that mm -hmm. word or not use that word, but some, a spiritual teacher, someone who's guiding you through your own mm -hmm. journey must have been fascinating, terrifying, because he was able to see things inside you that you weren't able to see in yourself. Yeah, in a way, but you should remember, I've read all about it. That half year from when he got me out of bed and until I met him, I was actually building up, you know, projecting a picture of a man who was... Uh, 20 feet tall. Yeah, 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 30 meters up in the air, sitting in a perfect lotus position with a halo <laughs> around his head, you know. Sure. And when I, when I meet this man who had a lot of issues himself, but was able to to uh, let him stay behind when every morning when he went into his uh, office and was helping hundreds, hundreds of people. So I found out, you know, I had to readjust all my projection about what it would say to be spiritual, you know, mm -hmm. and he, it all came down to honesty, you know. It's, isn't, it's, it's fascinating because honesty and truth Mm -hmm. I think there's such a lack of, there's, I mean, in today's world with, you know, fake this or fake that, fake news and all there's sorts of things, there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of data because there's so much information that now people even question the truth or not truth. Mm. But I find people, another word for truth is authenticity. Mm -hmm. And people really are attracted to truth. They're attracted to authenticity because when you, you know, I come from the film industry, you come from the music industry. So we both come from the entertainment industry. When you listen to a musician who is speaking his or her truth, singing his, you're connected with them. I mean, there's a reason why we all connect with the Beatles or we all connect with, you, you, you know, at one, at one point or another, give or take. Um, but the Beatles or, El, you know, I, I don't know, whoever you want to call, um, but, or, or, you, or you connect with Steven Spielberg. Exactly. They are, they are performing a truth within themselves they're not trying to be somebody else and that i feel is where people fall short so much in their own lives is because they try to put a projection of somebody else out a shield a, a face a mask to protect themselves to make themselves fit in because their egos are are this or that and the hmm. second people like yourself or others who are just like this is who i am this is the truth of who I am. And I know who I am. I'm comfortable in my own skin. I know the path I'm supposed to walk. People become very attracted to that, but also mm. are scared of it within themselves. Why do you think so many of us are afraid of being who we truly are? I think it comes down to when we incarnated here. We were, we were welcomed by a lot of well-meaning people, you know, our parents and all this. You know, and they wanted the best for us. But the problem is most of those people, they, were not, they are not aware of where they come from, what they're doing here. They are not aware of how we are connected with everything and the possibilities. You know, I started to already in the 80s to study the Aramaic language of, of Jesus, you know, or mm -hmm. Yeshua, and in the New Testament. And what was really hit me when I met the seer, who hadn't read anything almost, 
and, and certainly did not know that much about the New Testament. It was that he was actually living a lot of those truths that I read in the New Testament. For example, we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Uh, Yeshua is saying, follow my example and you can do even greater wonders than I. You can actually read that in the New Testament. Problem is nobody asking what is it he did that I can do better by following his example, you know? It all comes down to that integrity that you were just talking about, you know, to that honesty. And uh, he was also uh, saying, for those who have trust, everything is possible. And that was exactly what I saw in the seer, what happened, you know. And if you take the Aramaic word for trust in the New Testament, it's not blind faith. It is actually something that everybody is caring within. And this is my point now, that when you ask me, how come that people are trying to project something they are not? Because they have lost, they, nobody have told them who they really are. And if those well-meaning people who, who welcome them into this world would start telling that child and raise that child with not within to, uh, you know, social norms or anything, conditions, you know, but free them from the social conditioning and start to say, listen, you don't have to go to, to follow that path because that is normal and that is how to be part of this society. Everybody should have a certain path to walk in this life. And it is the parents' uh, duty to try to help that soul to but it takes knowledge and it takes awakeness and it takes consciousness in order for the parents in order to do it. So I would say it comes down to that, that it isn't, it isn't really here that consciousness about who we really are. So when a, a person wakes up on, uh, until, uh, until, uh, or work, wakes up to a, a personal spiritual path, that person has to go through all those steps, you know, in, 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 in order to find out what is actually the truth here, you know, because there's so much, you know, uh, stuff. Fake stuff yeah, going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so, so I think that if you really know who you are, you don't have to make a big fuss about all those things, you know, because right. everybody, uh, you know, the seer, he said, it. what I can do, everybody can do. But people have no trust, you know, in it, you know. They don't know. But why? And, uh, but, but why? Are they afraid? What are they afraid it, of? It takes guts, you know, to take that. Because when you walk the spiritual path, you know it. Everybody who have taken that step, you there is an instinct that in people who say that, that they know if I take this step, maybe I will lose my friends for a while it's a lonely path mm -hmm. i cannot be normal can i drink beer can i have fun can i yes you can have all these things you have sex you can whatever the the thing is that if you when you start to 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 walk the the, the spiritual path you can have as much fun as you want but then you start to reflect on what you do and you become conscious you know and then you start to think, do I really want this? Am I really uh, wasting mm -hmm. my time? Yeah. And all these yeah. things. And, and, uh, and you'll find out that that loneliness doesn't have to, to, to last a lifetime. You know, for my part, I see a lot of my old friends and they know that I'm into all these things, but they don't know what it really is, you know. And they, take, they make a lot of fun of me behind my back. I know sure. that. Of course. I just let it be, you know, because I think, okay, I've saved their day too, you know. <laughs> but we can we can easily have have uh, also have uh, now talked about it, and and you know, nobody held any grudge, and sometimes they also come for help, you know, though they won't oh. admit it, of course. Of course, they, they never <laughs> admit it. They'll never admit it publicly, but quietly, like, hey, listen, Lars, um, I'm lost. Can you help me? <laughs> No, no there was. It, it's just you know, it be, 
it becomes a natural uh, kind of thing. And you know, I I don't I'm not a preacher. You know, I I don't have to 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 get people to believe in anything. I think the best thing you can do is actually try to live up to who you were supposed to be and do it as good as you can, you know, and see that by your example, you can actually make a difference where you are. And when you start to have a uh, to have practices that you could, I practice in the supermarket, I practice everywhere I go, and uh, you can actually make a difference where you are without making a big fuss about it, you know? It's so interesting. Um, there was a, a student of um, the, the great spiritual master, Yogananda, who, mm -hmm. yeah. who, sa who said, who was asking him, he's like, Yogananda, I, I, I drink and I smoke and I, I'm promiscuous with women. Can I, do I need to stop all of this in order to follow your teachings? And he goes, do you drink? He goes, yes, you may continue to drink. Do you smoke? Yes, you can continue to smoke. Do you have a lot of sex? Yes, you may have continue to have lots of sex, but I, I can only promise you that if you continue my teachings, you will soon know that you will not need to do any of those things, which is exactly what you were saying. And so many was yeah, it's yeah. not his time. He will slowly figure things out. And I, even yeah. in my own, even in my own spiritual path, you start to realize what serves you at mm. the moment of the path where you are on your life's path. Because things that served you in your twenties don't serve you now and you hold on to them for nostalgia you hold on mm. to them for comfort and as you mm. start to let go of those things you become mm. more free and more open to receive new things on your path is that your experience as well exactly exactly no doubt about it now you are um you are a musician i'm a filmmaker so we mm. both understand the creative arts and the flow of it and i've had the pleasure of speaking to very high performing artists around the world and I'm always fascinated about the flow energy of that moment where we're in that place where we're not even playing the music or writing the scene. It just kind of just comes out of us. Was there ever a moment for you where you were playing music or writing something and then you look down and go, who wrote that? <laughs> always. always. Right? <laughs> yeah, always. I, I mean, that was something that came in very, very early. and. And uh, I always, very early on, I started to have faith in my intuition, and and uh, and sometimes I, I, you know, when I I read I wrote my first book in uh, here in Danish in in and uh, I, when it was published, I was uh, contacted by uh, the writers' uh, union or whatever you you would call it, and. I got this letter that you have written this book, and now you we offer you uh, to be part of this uh, society. Yes. And I had this thing, no, I did not write that book. You know, how can I be a member of this, you know? I feel and like a fraud. <laughs> yeah, it, it's actually why I'm, I'm not, still not a member of that, you know, because I, you know, yeah, that's just how it is, you know. And I know it's, of course, silly, you know, but, you know, I... I, I cannot help it, you know. It's it's, uh... it's it's remarkable. After speaking to so many different artists over the world, I, I always think about, yeah, it did come through us, but it comes through our filter. So something else was funneling it through, but it does come through our filter, our personality, yeah. our language, our oh. all of these sure. things. So we, t I take a little bit of credit, <laughs> not yeah. a whole lot, just a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. It is also what I how i see it is that we are actually parents of that thing that comes to us Correct. and parents have to take care of their children you know if you are voting a book you have to take care of it. It, it it you cannot send it out in in the world without good clothes or somebody taking care of them and it, it goes with everything with songs with film you have to follow it all the way through you cannot just leave it you know because it's you're the parent of that. It came through your filter, as you said, as uh, which I totally agree. And that filter can be purified more and more through spiritual work. So, in the end, hopefully, we we will um, become one with what we are doing. You know, absolutely. Yeah. Now you've discussed uh, uh, in many of your books in regards to connecting with your source energy. Um, and connect it, which is a, maybe another term for higher self or mm -hmm. who we truly are. 
What advice do you have for the audience who want to try to connect to that source energy? I touch upon it now with as an artist because I always feel that there's a well that is your well of energy or 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 uh, the muse that brings you your information as a, as an artist. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. But is there something any advice you can have for just people who want to connect with their higher selves to have a closer connection to who they truly are. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, sp- all kind of spiritual work will, will, um, will eventually take you there, but you need to kind of have the trust within that. Whatever attracts you has something to, to offer you at the moment. You know, I'm not talking about guru hopping over but it, okay. it, it, you know, we live in a, in a time where everything is available. You can actually go in, you know, when I was young, you were not able to go to in any internet. There wasn't any internet. Of course. You could not uh, read. There was a lot of, of books that was actually almost secret or, or not available or forbidden or now everything is available. So you need to first and foremost have trust in your own inner voice and where it takes you or leads you and stay with it, you know, and um, in that way, you know, I, I started out keeping a diary or a spiritual logbook, writing down my dreams, writing about visions or ideas or whatever. And I can really recommend that because when you take the, uh, you know, you, you put the effort into writing something down, you manifest something on the paper. It actually say to the ether, I'm ready for more, you know, because I took the liberty or the, I, I, I went all the way and did it actually. It was not just a fleeting thought that came and went and, and then it's done. No, you have to communicate actually with the ether. And I, and that will, sharpen the pen so to speak it will sharpen your way of connection to your own light body where all the the etherical body where all the information about you is is actually situated for example all your former lifetimes if if you need them in your work in this lifetime it will be there the information there will also be a lot of information that you don't absolutely don't need now so of course that will not be there but if you, for example, when you leave this incarnation and you come back, maybe there will be other information. But we should start to communicate with the with the light body and the etherical body, because that is actually the step in order to to higher consciousness. You know, so um, and we can do that in a lot of ways. I have I've described in in uh, some of my books giving some inspiration to how it can be done, you know, and it builds on my own experiences and the work I did with the seer. So um, it is actually something that you can just start doing, you know, and doing the the next problem when you start to practice is that most people in the Western world, we, we are so used to when you open for the hot water, hot water come immediately. And if it don't, one day, what? Well, where can I go and complain? You know, and you will when you start do do spiritual work. You will also experience dry periods, periods where you are kind of in the desert. And when most people come in that situation, they kind of uh, lose their um, their guts and their interest, or the the what do you call it? Their gifts, their energy. So. You should really stay there, have have the guts to be staying there and, and just wait because suddenly you are out on the other side of that desert and you can take the next step, you know. Do you think there that would, that I'm sorry, let me interrupt you. Do you think that, that no, desert no. Yeah. do you think that, that desert is there to test? You no, know? yeah, it's just also to reflect, you know. It is because that is the time when you actually, the things that you have been given must really fall to the ground, like the dust must fall to the ground, you know. So you really perceive it, take it in with everything, you know, 
and you really understand it on a deeper level, you know, on all levels, physical, psychological, and spiritual. Now, so many of us, I mean, so many of us are always looking for answers outside of us. Most mm. human beings do. They look for, they look for happiness in things and physical objects that they buy in relationships and sex and drugs and everything. Everyone seems to be trying to find answers outside of themselves because they have been taught so often throughout their life that the answer is outside. Religion teaches you it's outside of you where some philosophy, some teachings, even Jesus said it. I mean, it's like the kingdom of heaven is inside of you. It's what is it about or what can people do to stop looking outside of themselves and to start looking inward for the answers. And in my own path, it taken me, it's taken me many years to trust, to have the faith that mm -hmm. the universe will provide me on the path. Tell me the path I have to walk. I always say now is my, is the thing I always say to people, I'm like, I chop wood and I carry water. Now mm -hmm. where I, where I take the wood and the water is up to the universe, but I do my job. It's not like you just sit down and wait for the door to knock with opportunities or, the door to knock for you to go a certain path. You got to move, but mm. it will guide you along the way. But it took me a long time to finally say, I, I give into this. And the second I did, oh my God, the, the doors flung open for me. And it's been a magical experience so far walking this mm. path. I was like, oh my God, what an idiot I was all those years, decades, you know, struggling against the flow, struggling against the stream where now, I just sit there and I let the boat go where it goes, but I chop the wood, carry the water. <laughs> so what do you think? Yeah, I think it's basically, you know, when you find that out, you know, that you, it is the basic work, as he said, the seer also, you know, if you think it's going to be any harder than that, forget it. You know, the hard time is to stay with it, even when you go into the desert mm -hmm. and you think nothing is really happening, but something is happening, but on levels that you may might not know yet uh, anything about, but it will come, you know. So to me, that's exactly it, you know. And when you said, you know, the uh, also in the Bible, if you start to read the Bible and actually read it through the Aramaic psychology, um, in the beginning of the Old Testament, we are told that we were born in the image of God. And that really means that is what Yeshua is talking about when he said, kingdom of heaven is within you. That is that image of God. That is this consciousness. God is consciousness. And that God consciousness, we are carrying it within. So we have it. Yeah. But the problem being that we, we, are, we have surrounded ourselves with personality, issues and with conditioning and a lot of noise and spiritual work is a, a way of cutting through all that noise to reach in to that image of god or to that consciousness of god and you know it's very very symptomatically for for the western world that we send rockets out in the in 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 fast space you know in outer space in order to find life we could much easier ask is there life on earth <laughs> and you know for the for the old mystery schools and the old masters they would not be interested in traveling anywhere out there because they said and it's written in the mystery school traditions that what is out there is already here well if what is not here you cannot find anywhere if you're looking for life it's right here of course, it's also out there, you know, but what, what do you want, you know? Why don't we take care of what we are set here to do, you know? But it is like, no, we, we have to exploit everything and to, to fuck everything up. Sorry, my friends. <laughs> and uh, uh, instead of taking care of it, you know, we are here to care and share. And no. So, so obviously the world right now is going through an unprecedented shift uh, ever since the pandemic, I would argue probably even earlier than that. There has been definitely a change in consciousness. There is now, for the first time in human history, all of us, the entire world is affected by the same thing. We're all feeling the same effects of the pandemic, 
no matter where you live in the world. It's I've never heard of that throughout history with the entire planet going through the exact same thing at the exact same time. And now, you know, with the war that's going on and the economy and, and, and global warming and the weather and there's so much, so many things. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Even for someone of my generation and definitely someone of your generation, to see so much changes. Because I remember, you know, 80s, 90s, everything pretty much stayed the status quo. Sure, the technology changed and things. But, you know, the sun rose and set. In today's world, there's so much shift. There's so much uh I call it the shaking of the etch a sketch of the of the of the world right now. What is your feeling on what's going on in this shift in the world right now, and where is this leading all of us? You know, the answer is very very clear to me to that question is that we now we should experience that you cannot. It's not you know the the problems that we are facing can only be 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 solved by us as a unity, you know? Correct. Nationality doesn't mean anything anymore. I mean, if, if, if the world goes down, we all go down with it, you know? If life is out and, uh, and finished, we all, it, it, it won't be that oh, all Americans are saved or all Danes are saved or, no, 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 no. We are in the same boat and now we need to learn to have that on an even keel, you know? It, it is like, you know, that somebody has, is so busy trying to make holes in the boat. And at the same time, others, they try to, to get rid of the water that is coming in, you know. That's how it is right now. But we need to find out to work together. And it goes for Russians, Americans, Ukrainians, Danes, whoever we are. That's the only, that's the next step, you know is to find out how we are connected. And we are also connected to animal life and and that's planet and the planet. That's the thing, you know, when we start to find out how we connect, you know, and also to get rid of all those uh, silly social conditionings that is ruling around really. um, Yeah, Uh, there's there's so much there's so much disconnection. I mean, we've all been raised socially that we know you're Dane and I'm American and I'm this or that. And, and we're in this country or that country, or this religion or that religion or this race or that race. But the pandemic has shown us that if we don't take care of the people in Africa, or if we take, don't take care of the people in the middle East or in Europe, or a new strain will come up and affect all of us again. Exactly. So it's showing us something. And, I'm, and you know, and you know how horrible this war is right now in the Ukraine. But one thing that is positive about it is I've never seen the world more united. No, against. I mean, the entire planet, really, all all countries, major countries are are really united, and I really haven't seen that in such a world of tribalism that we're in. So mm. it is, it's almost unprecedented in what the world is yeah. starting to do against Putin and Russia. And it's just fascinating to watch that aspect of what's happening. So I, fe- I feel a little hopeful that we are, yeah, yeah, there's yeah, some yeah. sort of rising yeah. of consciousness here. We are on our way, but the, yeah, but I think it's not only about, it, it's very, very easy to see what's going on in Russia. It's not very good, you know, but there's so many other places all oh. around the world oh. where everything is, again, excuse my friends, are fucked up, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, things are just, and that's what, that's our, we need to take responsibility for that, every one of us, and clean our own act up. It, it's very, very easy to point the fingers of somebody and say, me or, but we should actually just, what we really can do is to clean up our own act, you know. I can tell you one day that, um, I was working with the seer and, and we had a fallout and he said, hey, um, remember eight years ago, that was before I met him, you were on your island and you were out walking and you were uh, you were out for a whole day walking on a hike and you brought with you a meal packet and when you were finished and you came back, 
from that tour in that nature area, you had a whole lot of garbage and you just looked around and you threw it into a bush. Do you remember that? Of course I remember, but you know, I was a little bit embarrassed by it, you know. So I said to him, yeah, but nobody saw me. <laughs> nobody saw you, he said. You saw it. What do you mean nobody saw you? Are you blind? You saw it. And suddenly it, it really dawned on me that there's nobody to judge us. We are the judges. And when we leave this world, we will be really, really um, faced with everything that we have done. Nobody will judge us, but our own consciousness will suddenly, the veil of social conditioning and projections will suddenly disappear and we will be faced with everything. And all the things that we have, even what we think is an innocent move towards this and that, will really, really hurt our hearts. We will be so embarrassed by what we see that this will be the lesson that will purify us for the next step, you know. So we should think about that. And as it is told in the old uh, mystery school, everything you send out will one day return to you. Karma. Karma, and in other words. Whatever we call it. And if we could live by that, just think about a totally different world and mindset we would uh, find ourselves in. But that is where, towards exactly as you said, we are on our way. And this will be what we are aiming at, you know, to be honest, you know, with everything. I mean, mm -hmm. if you no. need a drink, Go and take a drink, enjoy it. But the moment you don't enjoy it anymore, you don't have to, you know, and you don't have to hide it, you know. I mean, there's nothing wrong with taking a drink. There's nothing wrong with drinking a, a glass of red wine or whatever. But mm -hmm. please enjoy it when you do it, you know. Right, and then when it doesn't serve you anymore, yeah, exactly. have the strength to let it go, to yeah. let it go. And that only happens with with growth, with the... With, uh, with spiritual awakening, even at whatever level you might be at. And again, I always use my own path as an example. It's like I, I held on to things so long, literally mm. physical things that I carried along with me for decades because they had a association when I was a child or mm. I connected to it emotionally. There was a fun time. But at a certain point, I'm like, man, I haven't looked at those in 10 years. I got to I gotta get mm. rid of this. I got to lighten my load a bit. But that only mm. happens with age, which is something the young listeners might be upset about. <laughs> but I, think a lot of young, I think a lot of young people are really, I don't know where in America, but I, I see it here in Denmark and also other places in Europe that they are not, uh, they, are, they are staying away from consuming. In, mm -hmm. you know, they, they are trying to be uh, uh, too wise about what uh, secondhand uh, this and secondhand that, you know. They're more conscious. Yeah, you don't need a new telephone. You can actually buy a, a, a secondhand one and, you know, stuff like that, you know, and I see more and more about uh, on that, you know. There's some hope is what you're saying. It is, really. I think no doubt about it. Now, you also speak of the, and I, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right, the essence. Mm. The, the essence. Who are they? Can you tell me about? Who they are and what and and what they do. No, the Essenes. The Essenes. Thank you. Yes, the Essenes. Yeah. yeah. Who were they and, and what did they teach? The Essenes were the the a kind of uh, sect or what you called it or mystery school where Yeshua was educated along with uh, John the Baptist. They were the the people behind the Dead Sea Scrolls. You have heard about the Dead Sea. Of course, Scrolls? of course. Yeah, and. Um, they have their, they, you can go and visit their university or the ruins of the university at the shore of the Dead Sea, which I have done a lot of times, you know, and I, I was, I've been very connected with them. And I, uh, I was also a part of that movement uh, 2000 years ago, and I was a scribe there. And uh, that is something that have been very, present in my life. And when I met the seer, he confirmed that, you know, that he called me the scribe, you know, always, you know, and I have been writing all my life also. And so what, so, so, so they were a sec, uh, they were teachers essentially. So, but they were outside of 
I mean, yeah, they would live in the desert. You know, they um, they didn't have trust in the Pharisees and uh, the priests of uh, the priests of of Jerusalem, the Temple of Jerusalem. So they fled and and started this uh, community that started already five hundred years before Jeshua was born. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And um, it goes back to the prophet Elijah and the prophet Samuel and these people. And yeah, they were vegetarians. They were seers. They were astrologers, astronomers, uh, healers, and they were very uh, well respected by common people, you know. And um, yeah. What, what, uh, and what was some of their core, what were their, some of their core teachings, and how did uh, Jeshua or Jesus find them, and how did that that connection happen? No, you see, uh, the Mary and Joseph were Essenes, mm-hmm. so she was actually uh, chosen to to be a vessel for that uh, or channel for that uh, master soul, the Christ or the Messiah, and uh, so. When he was 12 years old, he was uh, in Jerusalem to be to his bar mitzvah. And that was when he was recognized also by the priest in there, who he really were. And he was taken to uh, to uh, to Kamel um, uh, Mountain in the north of, of, of Israel, today's Haifa. And uh, there was a settlement of his scenes there, uh, Mr. School, and he was taken from there to uh, to the east to the far east also to to do teachings and he was taken to egypt and he came back and was baptized in the jordan river uh, 10 kilometers uh, less than 10 kilometers from the university of the dead sea university and after that he went into a cave near the university where he spent you can read about it in the new testament where he spent the 40 days in the desert and spending 40 days in the desert means actually in Aramaic to put yourself in an unprotected state because going out in the desert there's no protection and the wild animals that he was facing him facing him was his own demons or his own shadows and uh, when he was facing uh, satan himself was his own ego of course so that was the initial initiation this was the the final initiation before he went out on his uh, three-year mission and this is mary the mac so he this is the moment where he essentially found enlightenment if you will using the buddha term he 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 transcended yeah he, 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 he was purified through that 40 days in the desert. And I actually visited that cave, and uh, I have a video called The Gate of Light, where I perform one of the very, very old uh, um, uh, practices of the Essenes in the cave. And uh, you can go and see it. It's called the, the Gate of Light, and my name. And there's a half an hour where you are taken into it, and you can see what is happening while that uh, practice is being done and it's an amazing place it's uh, and now you 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 spoke about in another interview about people who ask for protection uh or to protect themselves against bad things happening or so on and so forth you had a very interesting answer to that question could you answer that you can talk about the false the falsehoods of asking for protection because it, it, it kind of rings true to what you just said about jesus walking into the desert with no protection um it is that uh the minute that you you think you need protection you actually step out of that trust you know that is we are told for everyone who has trust everything is possible that you give energy to something that you you, you think the thing you you need protection from you actually are giving energy to wanting protection. You know, there is no need for protection because if you are a child of God, you don't need. You are already protected. You know, in within your own um, um, consciousness of who you are. You know, 
and who you really are. You don't need all this. It's the ego who wants all these things, you know. And yeah. we are living in a world that of comfort and protection. That is the big issue, you know. What do you need, man? I mean, At the end of the day, what are the things do you yeah. need? In life? How many houses do you need? How many cars do you need? How many, mm. you know, this or that do you need? At a certain point, you just go, because I know a lot of wealthy people in my in, in throughout my life, and I'm not saying that all of them were, up, you know, depressed or incontent. But when you read, I think Jim Carrey, the the famous uh, comedian, he said, "I wish everybody in the world could have everything they ever wanted, so they would yeah. understand that it yeah. means nothing." Because <laughs> he did, he literally got everything he wanted, and then he went exactly. deep into it. That's, that's very wise, you know, because. Uh, you know, I also said to, to young youngsters, you know, that seek my help here and say, go and go and get what you want, you know, do it now. Because when you're young and you are ambitious, you know, you want to go and grab things and you want to be something, get it over with as fast as possible so you can get on with what you are really here for. You know, because there's all this social conditioning about if you really want to make it, you need to do this, you need to do that, you know, okay. Go and do it. Get that medal and go up there and as number one on the podium, you know, and find out that, okay, where's the next medal? And you can go from one high to the next and it's all vicious. It's not, but I think that said that we should also recognize that there are some people who need to go through all this hardship of being very, very rich people, which is absolutely not not nothing to to envy because it's a hard job you know it's the fear of losing what you got there's all these exactly. speculations of what to do and how to protect yourself you know, protect your money yeah. yeah yeah but the moment that you find out that it's actually a gift you're being given how can i generously share that gift with somebody who really needs it you know because what why do you would why would you want to to own the thirty nine million dollars? I mean, what, why? I was, just, I was just seeing on the news. I was just seeing on the news like one of the oligarchs from Russia had a five hundred million dollar yacht. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I mean, you're just like what a five hundred million dollar yacht, a boat. Like at a certain point, you're like, Man, what are you looking for, my friend? Because you're not going to find it. I mean, you can, you can, you can, you can build as many rockets as you want, Jeff Bezos. Uh, <laughs> and that's a very certain, really interesting uh, example. Jeff Bezos, who's arguably one of the richest men in the world, and his ex-wife. His ex-wife was gifted, uh, I don't know, I don't know, four hundred billion dollars, whatever it was, and she's been systematically giving it away to mm. charities and doing all these things. And Jeff is building rockets. And hey, look, and there's nothing, look, you gotta, he, like you just said, sometimes you've gotta go through those processes in order to mm. find out that it's not what you needed to, it's not what you're looking for. I think it seems that some of those women, they are very wise. They know what, what this is all about, you know? And I think, but it comes down to all of us, you know, even if you haven't got a dime, you know, how can you be generous with what Absolutely. you got you know, and try to find a good balance? Because, of course, everyone's make or have to make a living, you know. So it's not about just giving everything away, but it's to find a, a, a balance where you have trust that you will be taken care of, you know, and that we should remember, you know, we are only here for, for 15 minutes, you know, when you see it in a big perspective, you know. So it comes down to what do, how, what do you want to, how do you want to spend those 15 minutes? Do you want to be an asshole or do you want to try to, to be the one you were supposed to be? How do you, so, you know, you, we've discussed in this conversation about finding your, your path, finding out what you're truly here to do. What suggestions do you have for people searching for their meaning in their own lives because i do believe truly that we are all here for a purpose we're all here to walk a certain path mm. and it takes us years to find out what sometimes sometimes you find it very early like you did yeah. uh, but other times it takes years to find out and sometimes you can go two three decades down one path and go okay i'm done mm. here mm. i gotta make a right turn 
what but suggestions do you have? I think all these things are part of of the education. You know, um, for example, there was there was a, a, a junkie who who sought me out. She was forty years old, and she said, "I've I've, I've ruined all my life. I've I've misspent uh, thirty years of my life doing this." She said, "No." We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. But you had a very, very expensive education <laughs> and you did not you did not get a paper, you know, on it. Right. But now you have experienced something that is really worthwhile for other people who find themselves in that situation. You know about this. You have experienced it. You can actually go and make a difference. And I think that goes for all of us, you know. That's why I always said it doesn't matter if you're a stripper or a CEO. We always had to try to rise, to raise the bar wherever we are. You know, there's nothing wrong of being a stripper. But maybe when you get more evolved, you find out, hmm, I I actually want to do something else now. I've experienced this, and now I take it to the next level. Or the CEO, he said, hey, I want to be a stripper. <laughs> Who knows? I want to go. I want to go into the desert for forty days because I've yeah. I've I reached. Everyone's got their path to walk, and that and, and that's the other thing I always tell people is don't compare yourself to other people because that's just a recipe for, for for sadness and misery and anger. Because how can you compare to yourself to somebody else's path? And you might think that their path is so wonderful, mm. but you know I know I know yeah, yeah. I know we, filmmakers. We, we, yeah. No, I know filmmakers who who won Oscars and have achieved the highest successes and they're miserable because they, but you on the outskirts, you're like, Oh my God, they have everything. Like, no, they don't. They're walking their path that just happened to have these things that society says is valuable. But at the end of the day, I promise you that if you can give them true happiness, they would give it all away <laughs> if they could. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I also know people who have uh, had uh, Oscars and, uh, sure. and uh, really happy about it and 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 are happy in their lives also exactly so, exactly i i i think it it comes down to that wherever we are wherever we find ourselves we should never forget that we are enlightened beings now right. go and behave like ones and start to be generous with whatever you have you know share care and share and and be the ones we're supposed to be. You are already what you are looking for. Get rid of all the noise that you have created around you and all the conditioning, and then be free and start to do what you're supposed to. Because suddenly that quarter of an hour is over, and you won't get there will be no be nobody at the end of the line, you know, standing there with a golden watch and say thank you for everything you did. You know, we. It doesn't matter, you know. Do what you can do where you are. You know, you can make a difference wherever you are. And that, that goes for all of us. Is and that... sometimes it goes up and sometimes it goes down. And that's how it is. And when it goes down, that is not the time for for hopelessness. But it is, you know, never give up. Always give it up. You know, don't give up. Give it up. You know? Oh, I love Always that. Raise oh, for the stars. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I might have to take that from you, Lars. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I love that. I love that. Now, you also wrote a book about the law of light. What is the law of light? It's the law that you carry within you, that everyone, it's not a written thing. It's in you. It's yeah. If it's written somewhere, it's in your heart. It is that image of God, that consciousness that kingdom of heaven that Jesus is talking about, it is that law. And everybody knows what is right or wrong when it comes down to it. Yeah. Now, you also discussed something called the chariot of fire. What is the chariot of fire? You can go and see that um, if you it's it's in the, my books, also the law of light. Uh, in a forthcoming book that uh, is called The Light Within a Human Heart that will be out on Watkins uh, in June. Um, you can see that video I was talking about, the gate of light. I'm performing that chariot of fire practice right there. So I would 
recommend you see that, and it's in a very, very what uh, Helen Schuchman of the the Course in Miracles called the holiest place on earth. That's that cave. Do you um do you meditate? Yeah. What is what has meditation done for you in your spiritual journey? Because I am a heavy meditator as uh, as well, and I know what it's done for me in my path. But I love explaining it to people again and again because so many people just like, oh, I can't meditate. I can't do this. It really is for me the opening into. It's a connection into that inner world where you let go of all that social conditioning, the ego, all that kind of fades away for a small amount of time where you can touch that, at least in my path. I wanted to hear what it does for you. I have just released uh, a meditation. It's on my YouTube channel. Okay. And it's on Facebook. It's called A Meditation uh, from the Center of Your Being and, and, and Beyond. And um, that's um, that's meant to help people uh, start meditating. So it's a guided meditation. Okay, I, I will I, I will put that in. I'll put that link in the show notes. Now I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Ask all my guests: What is your mission in this life? My mission is to to um, to what do you call it to. Um, to write and to to um, to share uh, knowledge about what I've been studying all my life, and uh, that is my my job. I'm the scribe. And uh, and then what is uh, why are we here? What is the purpose of our existence? Just simple questions. It is to to um, to um, transform uh, material into spirit, uh, darkness into light. You know. That's the, the 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 essence of why we are here, and and we are supposed to do that in our different ways, you know. Right, with our own unique gifts of whatever we're here to yeah. do, our our missions. And um, where can people find out more about you and your work? By reading my books, going to my workshops, uh, seeing my uh, videos I have on my uh, YouTube channel. And do you have a website? And you have a website. Yeah, I have a website called lastmove.com and, and it's also connected to, to books and music and or else my English books are out on Watkins Publishing in London and it are also distributed in all over the world. Amazon so, and so on. Yeah. Lars, it has been an absolute honor and pl- a privilege talking to you today and uh, I I feel more enlightened just speaking to you, sir. So thank you, my friend, very much. For, thank you so much for all the work you do, my friend. Thank you very much. The same to you, Madan. Speaking to Lars it was an absolute pleasure. And I picked up so many ideas and concepts and made me start thinking about things a little bit differently. And I hope it did the same for you. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, including how to reach out to Lars and find out more about his work, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash zero four one. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.